Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. I want to share with you a little bit about a book I wanted to write. Because in church, if you've been in church any time at all, uh, you've probably seen this scene unfold where you have the, the new Christian, not the one who, who was in church as a kid and then came back as an adult or as a teenager or whatever, but, but like the brand new Christian who, who gets invited, comes, and they're curious, they're not sure what to make of it all, and they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit in them, and they make their way to the altar, and, and we lead them through these prayers, and, and we uh, say that this, this decision you've made to follow Christ is the greatest decision of your life. And then someone goes off to a closet or to a room or whatever, and they come back with this little comic book the size of an index card and hands them this and says, read this. This will help you understand everything that just happened here today. And I've often thought about that person, and I'm like, I'm not sure that that is really the best thing for them because that little book is filled with these words that are, that are almost a foreign language. I'll call it Christianese. Because that, that's going to have words like fellowship. And it's going to have words like grace and mercy. Things that we don't use in everyday conversation. And it's going to have words like redemption. And my favorite, propitiation. And this poor person, right, who, who is just a baby Christian that, that we're trying to, to raise up and and, and educate and get them, like, the word in them and that kind of thing has got to navigate through all these things. And I can't help but, but think that they're an, you feel like they're an alien on a different planet. Because this language is so foreign to them. And then the, the second thing we do is we say, we want to take you down and baptize you. We want to dunk you in the water. And it's going to, you know, it's symbolic of washing away all the sins that, that, that supposedly just got washed away here. But we're going to dunk you anyway, right? And so I wanted to write this book about just plain, simple language of, of talking this baby Christian through this whole process and, and what it means. Because, because what they've stepped into is salvation. And salvation gets you in the race. Salvation is the start. But what you live out and all those, those other things that follow is this process of sanctification. And again, those are two more words that they probably don't truly understand, being a baby Christian. And so I wanted to write this book several years ago. And so God brought this back to my spirit, and I, and I thought, well, I wonder, and I had a title for it. So it, it says, now I'm saved, or or. I'm saved, so now what? Well, the funny thing is, there are books with that exact title out there already that have been published in like the last five years. So maybe I missed it at some point. Maybe I was unprepared. But, um, but if you go out and search that, I'm saved, so now what? You'll find countless churches who have got that same question and that same thing on their website. Or, or there's a, a book that's been published under that title. And so it's, it's not an unusual thing. 
But what I want to talk about this morning is the sanctification piece of it. Because looking around the room here, I know there's some maybe more mature than others, but I don't think this is your first time here for anybody. And I believe we're all saved in this room, and we've all started the race. And now we're in this race towards sanctification. And so if we look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And so we look at this, and we, we can see that there is an old man and a new man. And we can see that these are two separate pieces. And somehow the old man is supposed to pass away, and this new man is supposed to come into the scene. And on that morning when we're first saved and we're in the altar, everything feels new and different. And we're surrounded by people that are encouraging us and telling us how great our, our life is now going to be, and, and we'll get to draw close to Jesus and all these wonderful things. And then the service ends, and we walk right back into the old life that we were used to. So there's a process that we need to go through in becoming more like Christ, and that's the process of sanctification. It's learning to, to walk like him, to be like him, and even the communion we did this morning. Uh, some people put it this way, what you behold, you'll become. And I'm going to pick on my wife maybe for a minute. But, you know, my wife talks a little different. And, and a lot of people will pick up that she's not from around these parts. And they'll, they'll ask her, where are you from? Now, to be honest, I don't hear it. I don't hear it. So I'm always surprised when people point that out. But other people will hear it. But, you know, she grew up in the South. And so she has a little Southern draw to her speaking that a lot of people find very appealing. And so she gets that from being in an, in an environment. She gets that from an outside influence. She wasn't born with it. It was something that she learned that developed being in that environment. It's something that she became because she was beholding other people speaking that way. And this process of sanctification is very similar. But where do we go to find more about Christ? Well, we get into the Word. We listen to sermons. We listen to people who are already of that nature. And that's where we pick that up. And so much like communion this morning, in that we, we honor that sacrifice of Christ. And he says, this is my body. And this is my blood. Eat this and become like me. And even from a purely natural standpoint, what you eat is what fuels your body. Now, in this case, we're talking more of a spiritual level, but it's the same thing. That same spirit that you're allowing into your body, what you're, what you're consuming, what you're watching on television, what you're listening to, what you're reading, all those things are going to fuel and become the nutrients in your body. And if you're listening and watching and partaking in garbage, garbage is going to come out of you.
But we want to be more like Christ. Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that by testing you might discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Maybe that's just a reminder right there that the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. And I think sometimes maybe we lose sight of that. And I think maybe that's, we just need to be reminded sometimes of how great God is. And just how big God is. Because in our mind where we have to have everything figured out and we have to have the answers for everything and people come to us with answers about how are we going to pay that bill and how are we going to get down here and we've got one child going this way and one going this way and what are we going to do? We have to have answers for all these things. And so as we try to figure all those things out, we also try to figure God out. And every once in a while we just need to be reminded that God is too big to get figured out. On your best day, you're just scratching the surface. On your best day, with your most understanding, it is, it is but a tiny ounce of his fullness. Because God is that big. But there's a couple key words in this verse that I want to cue in on. And the first one is transformed. And transformed means you're changing state. You take a cake and you take the eggs and the flour and you put all that and you mix it all up and you get it in the oven and you turn on the oven and it sits in there for a certain amount of time and you pull it out and it is nothing like what it went in as. It went in as like a pudding comes out as this light, fluffy, wonderful, not frosted yet birthday cake. It is so good when you get the frosting on the, the buttercream. Don't get the whipped. I'm not a whipped guy. I'm a buttercream. It's got to be that heavy thick, probably like the cheapest stuff you can buy, that is the best stuff. But that transformation takes place. There's a process there of transforming. And that's what, that's what, that's what God wants us to go through is this transformation. Well, how do you do that? It's by renewal of your mind. Renewing to, says to make new again. The old man has gone and the new man has come. Well, that that new man is still attached to an old body that goes into an old world and has old world problems to figure out. And we got to live in that old world until we can renew our mind and begin to change the way that old man lives. And I found one translation that, that used a little bit different word, and I really like it. And that word is renovate. It's going to renovate our mind. You know, we've, we've had times where, um, I'm trying to think of, of what it was. Oh, I remember what it was. God speaks to us in ways that we understand. So for me, I'm a very mechanical guy. I like to go out and work on machinery, nuts and bolts and wrenches and things like that. I like to play in the dirt, too. Um, but I remember God spoke to us one night. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but, but, but I had this, this vision pop in my head of this rusty bolt and it's got this rusty nut stuck to this rusty bolt and you just can't break it loose and then you pour a little bit of this what they call penetrating oil on there and it's like the oil of the spirit getting into those spots in our body that are that are rusted and stuck you see but God that's the way he talks to me 
So I can understand it. He may talk to you differently, but this word renovate really resonated with me in this. Because I suddenly got this whole insight about a renovation. Because nobody starts a renovation without having a plan. All of you that that own homes and stuff, you don't go in and and decide you're just going to knock out your kitchen before you figure out what you're going to put back. (laughs) All right, most of y'all. Y'all want to step outside a minute? Y'all, people are funny things. That's all I got to say. But we should start a renovation with a plan. Is that better? (laughs) Well, God never renovates us without having a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, most of you probably know this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, the interesting thing there that I looked up And I had to look at several different versions and that kind of stuff. Plans is plural. Which makes me think that God leads us down this path to where we have a a point of decision. And it's like, are they going to choose plan A or are they going to choose plan B? And so I think God, regardless of what we do, God's got it figured out. He he knows what's coming. He's prepared us for the test. It's whether or not we're going to pass that test in that moment whether we're going to listen to that spirit that rises up within us or, or whether we're going to, to question it and delay and maybe that chooses, force us down another path. But God knows the plans he has for us. And so if we're in this process of sanctification, we're basically under construction. And so we started this renovation and now we're all under construction. And it's our job to participate in the construction And maybe that means we have some choices about colors and, you know, layouts of of the rooms and and things in our life that God would bring to us. And I've got to imagine that some of our old habits are like walking into a room with some old wallpaper. You see, now there's a new tenant that's living within us now. See, the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And he looks at some of those old things that we have from the old man, and he goes, that just won't do. There might have been a time where that felt right, where that seemed like the right thing to do is put the wallpaper up and put the paneling on the other wall. But it just won't do, you know, have the carpet up the wall. See, there's a new tenant there that wants something different for us now. And so he leads us into this this time of construction and renovation. And what good renovation doesn't start with demo day? See, God looks at our lives and he sees those things that, that shouldn't be there, those things that are outdated, those things that are part of the old man, and he says, that's gotta go. That's gotta go. Let's get the sledgehammer. Come on, we're gonna start right here with this wall. And we're going we're gonna to open this wall up. We're going to get rid of that wallpaper. We're going to put something new in here. You know, we're going to put some new paint. We're going we're gonna to put some new wall coverings on there. Maybe do some foam, faux marble something. That's probably past as well. That's probably not real relevant today. What do I know? 
But he starts with demo day to get rid of some of that, that old man that's in there. And the cool thing is, y'all seen some of these renovation shows where they go and find the, the one really cheap house on the block, and it's just a filthy mess, and it's falling apart? And, and I don't know, we watch a lot of these shows. Well, used to. I don't watch a whole lot of them anymore. But we used to watch these shows, and they would do these, they would call them renovations. And, man, sometimes they're taking, like, the roof off and that kind of stuff. And I'm going, that's not a renovation. You're not, you're not, you might as well, like, save one wall of the old house, right? And they're calling it a renovation. But they take this house that maybe is in a depressed area, and, and some of these will actually buy, like, the whole street. But they'll take this one house and they'll highlight the show and they get in there and they're just tearing stuff out and they rebuild it and it's something beautiful at the end. And I look at that and I think, you know what? They didn't buy it because of what it was. They didn't buy it based on its appearance of what it was when they bought it. They bought it because of the potential it had. And I can't help but think Christ looks at us the same way. He looks at us and goes, you are a terrible mess. But there's so much potential. There's so much potential in you. And I can imagine how great you could be. Now, it's going to take a little work. It's going to take a little work. We got to get in there. We got to knock some walls down. We got to take that wallpaper off. We got to knock the paneling down. We're going to have to do some new plumbing, some new wiring. But when we're done, it's going to be amazing. And I can't help but think God looks at us that same way. And he looks at our potential and not our problems. Because, you know, those old houses come with a lot of problems. Just like our old man comes with a lot of problems. But God looks past all that to see the potential in us. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? How many places in our life can we do that? That is so challenging. That is so challenging. I can't help but think of, of Carl and Carrie. They just renovated a place. And it was the same kind of deal. They flipped the house, and I think they've sold it now. And, and, and we drove by it the other day, and it, it looks like a brand new house. But God doesn't doesn't buy us for where we are. It buys us for where he wants to take us. You see, he wants to add some windows into our life and let a little more light in. All those dark rooms and that dark paneling and all that stuff's got to come down. We've got to let a little more light in, right? And some of those, those hard places need to be softened up. Some of that stuff that was rigid and cold, those things need a little light. They need a little softening. They need a little warmth. And that's what he's doing to us. And the other thing windows do is they'll keep out the noise. When Becky and I lived in Chattanooga, we bought a, I'm trying to think of when it was, well, 1924 or something like that. Um, little Victorian house. It was so cute. We had watched all the shows, y'all. We had watched all the shows, and we picked this house, and it had like the three-piece corner, if y'all know what that's like where you got molding either side, and you got this other molding right in the corner. And it had, it had these cedar shake shingles up there that had been painted. That's okay. But, but they had the different textures and patterns up there. 
And, and it was just this beautiful house, big stone foundation on it. And we had such big plans for that place. And we'd seen all the shows, and we knew we could just go down to the store and get the little kit and put the thing in the wall and all that stuff. It didn't work. We got in the house. It still had plaster walls. Y'all, if y'all ever tried to put a nail in a plaster wall, it don't work. It don't work. You, you hit it one time, and all you hear is this rain of plaster coming off the back of the wall. You get cracks that go all over the place. Everything we did in that house was a disaster. Everything we did in that house was a disaster. We had a, a water leak. The, the people that had it before us had it a couple months, had done some things, you know, tried to fix it up, but not, uh, not completely. But they had a water leak in the bathroom, so one of the first things we had to do was figure out where this water leak was coming from. Well, it took us a little while. We, the first thing we noticed is like, floor is a little spongy. I wonder what that's about. Well, it's an old house, right? And you tend to ignore it. It's a little spongy here. And a little while later, you're like, is that spot growing? What is with that, you know? And before long, we realized, oh, yeah, it's growing. And so it was a one-bedroom, or not one-bedroom, one-bathroom house. And we had to take the floor out of the bathroom. So it, it, it was an all-day affair. <laughs> but we got in there with saws and cut it out. Floor joists completely rotted underneath. Um, and it was a mess. It was a mess. And that's one of those things that you find when you start to do this demolition, when you start to get into these things, you find out that, the issue on the surface often goes deeper. <laughs> Daryl's over here nodding his head. He's like, yeah, I live that. But God wants to transform our lives. And he wants to get all, to all those places that we have on the inside of us. And some of those places we think have little issues and they conceal bigger issues. The windows. We put new windows in that house. I mean, going from single pane, you know, eighth inch glass to argon filled, double pane, vinyl clad windows, it was like you turned off outside. Because it was such a marked difference in the noise that came in the house from the street out front. It was it was amazing. And so some of, that, some of that newness can quiet the noise in our lives as well. So as we get into this renovation and God begins to do these new things, suddenly that noise from all those things outside that were distractions, that were the bump in the night that caused a little fear, that caused a little anxiety, suddenly as we start to do this renovation, all that seems to get quieter. It seems to get further and further away and be less menacing as this renovation continues. And with that noise, as that noise goes, peace enters. See, the, the noise from the world and all the distractions in the world, the more you become like Christ, the more you allow him to get into those spaces and renovate your life, the more you begin to look like him inside and out. All of those noises before that would cause anxiety, that would cause uh, uh, the fear to rise up, that would cause you to, to, to worry and stress, all those noises suddenly get more quiet. 
and peace can come in. Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's the old man. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. See, as we let that spirit grow in us, life gets richer, peace is easier to find. But the problem is, is that when renovation starts, things get messy. And for some of us, change can be hard. And so once the renovations start and things get a little messy, sometimes we get uncomfortable. And we'd rather cling to the familiar than embrace the change. Because the familiar is comfortable. It doesn't matter that it's kind of an old wallpaper and, and, and it's maybe out of date and, and maybe it's, it's not right for the season or whatever, but, but we'll just, that'll be the room that nobody sees. We'll just leave that one for later. But if you've ever started a project and said, I'll get to that later, you know how this goes. Because that oftentimes later never comes. And so we can, we can sabotage the work that he's doing in our lives. And the problem with that is that we lose faith in the plan. We lose faith in the builder. And it's through that change where we get uncomfortable that we forget whose plan it is that's being executed. We forget whose hand the hammer is in. So instead of running with it, we can often fight against it. But the thing is, is that where we're going to close up a room and not let God have full access to our house and not let him complete the renovation, where you're expecting a new coat of paint, he's expecting to knock out a wall. Where you're expecting just a little facelift, he's looking to expand the foundation. Where, where you're just looking to, to spruce up the place a bit, he's looking to add a second story. Because I believe in all of our lives, God has much bigger and greater plans than we can imagine for it. And if we will allow him to work through us, to work through that renovation, to work through the process of getting the old man out, becoming more like him, he will position us in places that we cannot imagine. And I can tell you standing right here, that's one of them. Because it was never on my bucket list, my agenda, to stand up in front of a church and give any kind of witness or testimony. It was never on my agenda. But you know what? God's done an amazing thing in my life where I've let him. And he's still working on me. I'm not complete. I am far from it. In fact, the closer I get to him, the more I know about him, the more undone I feel. But he has positioned me and opened doors and allowed me opportunities that I should never have been allowed. I don't know if all of you are around, probably not all of you, but most of you are around, but I spoke at Pilgrim's Rest Baptist Church, a 98-year-old church. And here I am, just a novice at best as a preacher and pastor. I can't even say that well. 
But God opens doors. He does. And I just, we lose sight. We, we, we look around us and we see what we think we can become, what we think we can achieve. And we start to make plans to, to go after those things we want to go after. But God sits back there and goes, yeah, I'll help you with that. But I had so much more planned for you. And I'm sure he shakes his head sometimes and he goes, if you just ask me, let me show you. Let me give you a glimpse of where I want to take you. But in closing off those rooms, it robs you of some of that life. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine. Y'all are familiar with that piece of it. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. If we're dealing with something that, that where our foundation has been hurt, where we've got a room that we're willing to close off to God and not let him have access to, and there are uncomfortable places in our life. There's places where we have been hurt, betrayed, where we've had a fence come against us. And allowing God into those places can be challenging. Because, you know, God wants to deal with all that stuff. Because he wants to get right down in our basement and he wants to go inspect the foundation. Because what he has to do is, is first of all, every foundation is broken. Because it's missing the cornerstone. Because when we ask him to come in our life, he says, you got to have a good foundation on me. And Christ needs to be the cornerstone of our foundation. It needs to be that stone that everything else is built upon. But all those cracks and things that are down in the basement that we keep the door closed on, that are those things where we've been hurt, where we've been offended, those things maybe that happened to us when we were children and that kind of thing, he wants to go and find those things. And he wants to make repairs. And, and the challenge there is that foundation repairs are expensive. And they are hard to do. But aren't you glad? Aren't you glad you know someone who knows how to do all the work? Who, when he's invited in and when he gets on the job, has never failed? Aren't you glad that you can put your confidence in him that he's going to come in and do the work and do it completely? He's not going to walk out on the job. He's not going to leave it unfinished. But he's going to come in and he's going to set everything straight. And the beautiful thing about that is oftentimes the repair is stronger than it was new. And you can take those cracks in the foundation, those things you once hid behind the door, and now you can begin to, to share with your neighbors how you know a man that can fix that, that, that crack in the foundation. And the cool thing is it comes with a lifetime guarantee. You just call him, he'll come right back out. If you ever have a problem with it, it comes right back out. So you have to have the right foundation. You've got to let the light in. You've got to expose all those dark places. You've got to take those hard things and soften them up. Because there's a new tenant there who wants to do some work. So let me close with this. We've all seen the, the shows on television where they buy the, the one house in the middle of the street. 
And they do all this work, all this renovation, and they get it rehabbed and refurbished, and it looks like a brand new home. Maybe still has some character of the old, but it looks brand new. Inside, wiring, plumbing, all that has been renewed and refreshed. But oftentimes what they don't show you is they don't back out and give you the full like panorama of the street. Because oftentimes on either side of that new home is another old home that is in the same beat up, worn out condition as this home. But the cool thing is, is that oftentimes having that one new home is like a flower in a field. And it is there for a season by itself. But as seasons change, seeds get planted. And now suddenly that home next to it begins to get some refurbishment. And the one across the street begins to get a little refurbishment. And before you know it, where there used to be a single flower in the field that shined with brilliance, that was beautiful, now there's a little patch. And as seasons continue to change, that little patch begins to grow before everything around it begins to blossom and grow. And in our lives, that's our family, that's our loved ones, those are the ones around us that are in the neighboring fields, that are the neighboring houses. And if we want to see our loved ones saved, and I'm talking to myself here too, we've got to let him do the work in us. So that when our loved ones see us, they see something different. They see that we've been changed. We see that we're growing into something new. And then that will begin to impress the neighbors. And they'll begin to, to look at us and go, I can't believe that. Is that the same house? Is that the same person? And they'll be amazed. And they're like, how did you get there? Tell me about it. Who's your builder? Who's your contractor? Who's working on you today? I think one way to gauge where you're at in your construction project, because we're all under construction, is to ask yourself, are we seeing any growth? Is there more light coming in than there was a month ago, a year ago? Are those hard places being softened? Does he have access to every room? Do you unlock the basement so you can check for those expensive, costly repairs? See, construction doesn't happen all at once. It's a day-by-day process. And there's parts of it that might happen very quickly and parts of it that are going to take some time. But if you're not seeing progress on your construction site, 
It's not because the builder isn't available. He's got time on his calendar. But are you letting him in? Have you invited him into all those places? So he wants to transform you. He wants to renovate you. He wants to renew your thinking. And the neat thing about a renovation is you can do some work on the outside, but a lot of renovation happens on the inside. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.